impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Werner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy on the internet. I'm your host, Steve Warner, and today I am joined by a licensing and content creation master, Shadid Elazer. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Steve, it is an honor, it is a privilege, and it is a pleasure to share the airwave with you and your community. Has anyone ever told you that you should be a jazz singer? Hmm. Well, um, my sister is actually named after a very famous jazz musician. And so the, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, Steve. Awesome. Um, if you're listening to this, just picture like a little bit of jazz music in the background. Shadi's going to take us on a journey. So right now he focuses on helping people create digital assets and then license them, which creates a steady form of income coming in, which sounds great, right? If you're a coach or a consultant, you do one-on-one projects all the time, you're going to want to tune in and pay attention to this. Shadid, take us back to the beginning because it's not like you just woke up one day and suddenly you were able to license content. Where did all of this start for you? Hmm. If we go into the way back time machine uh, to uh, a far off land, uh, Japan to be exact, I was in the United States Navy, US military. And what took place was the fact that we had um, what are called standard operating procedures. There's these books. So the way the military works is that there's different SOPs, SOPs, that if you have basic reading comprehension, the idea is that you can operate every piece of machinery within your work center. So we had a requirement, a need for our team members, our division to be uh, certified on a, a certain methodology. But the database at the time was um, no one understood it and it, it wasn't uh, very effective. So uh, being a, the, the type of uh, young man who liked to solve uh, Rubik's cubes for fun, I took it upon myself to learn the database and oh, very interesting. So uh, Steve for the, uh, the, the viewers and listeners has his own uh, solution here for the, the Rubik's cube. So what we have is uh, went in, figured out the, the system to the best of my ability and added on an additional component. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I created a, a curriculum to help our sailors go through the program easily and effectively and also uh, write that information into the database. The other departments who also had this need uh, began to request those services. And so it went from one department into over uh, nine different combat systems divisions. So 
at the tender age of 22 years old, I created uh, a model that was uh, utilized by over 1,000 people. And so uh, the Navy came knocking and said, wait a minute, this works and we want to know how to use it. And so while it wasn't an exact licensing deal, the seed was planted to package something that solved a problem for a, a specific or targeted group of people and grant access to it through licensing. So that was my, my early introduction. And throughout my career, various seeds were planted uh, where the stakes became higher. And we can explore that as we go down this journey. That is a really good story. I mean, it shows your life experience turning into what is now making you money, right? Like it planted that seed, got you started. So you also come from a family of entrepreneurs, correct? So you grew up around this. How did that play into like, how did the two meld? So I'm picturing you then, you know, the Navy knocking on your door saying, help us with this. What what happened then? How did this turn into a business for you? Well, what ultimately happened when we talk about family entrepreneurship values family values and entrepreneurship are hand in hand with me is there's no separation so when you you run into people in the entrepreneurial sphere that tend to say well family and business don't mix i look at them as if they have three eyes it just doesn't compute so for me when it comes to partnerships, when it comes to the validation of ideas. We all know the, the kid that we grew up with who was bright or brilliant and their parents told them they could never accomplish possibly to protect them or the teacher who told them that they could never be all that they can be. Within my household, I saw numerous examples from day one that you can take an idea and build it. Most importantly, no matter where you may work during the day, you're always packaging that knowledge, that, that insight and bringing it back home to benefit your family. So that was the, the framework that drove my, my entire life. Well, that's actually what ended up happening with the Navy. You, hmm. for, I mean, look at that. You, you created the system at your job, technically, hmm but you brought that home and then you applied that to start building out digital products and licensing, right? Absolutely. And so when we, we flash forward uh, years later, so I was an employee at a consulting company. This was actually my last actual uh, job in terms of W2 employment. And, and so this was my dream job at the time. So I'm a consultant. I actually applied to this company twice. Didn't get in the first time, got in the second time. Celebrations, hooray. So where one of the projects that I had was the Department of Justice. Now, the Department of Justice had a requirement to uh, certify 900 lawyers on a new system, a new Microsoft system known as SharePoint. Uh, within most of the agencies around the, uh, the Beltway, which is the DC metro area, they tend to use software known as uh, WordPerfect, which is kind of archaic when compared to Microsoft Word. And so they had this need. 
Lawyers are very busy. They don't have the time. They're always five minutes behind everything. And so the requirement was to get them through this process in a way that allowed them to learn it, understand it, and relate it to the old system. So uh, I was able to create a system, a training system that ultimately consisted of a curriculum and a help desk model where if the, basically you can dial a help desk where I would literally go over to their desk uh, within 15 minutes and help them with their problem. And so once again, uh, this became a, a system that extended a multi-million dollar uh, engagement or federal government contract. So what tends to happen, Steve, is when someone in the kitchen creates the next chicken nugget or you know golden french fries, most of the great inventions that we know in terms of food and inventions don't come from the, the brass of the company. It comes from the people who are playing around with the recipe. And in this case, I was that individual. I created the system. And so oftentimes the person in the uh, kitchen or within middle management or junior, they don't get the credit. And so uh, what was different here, and I like to uh, mention her by name, but the great Ann Isaac, she saw something in me. She said, wait a minute, this system allowed for us to extend our contract. I'd like to know a little bit more about what this guy is thinking. So she took me under her wing. And so they took what I created and instead of discarding me, they actually brought me in as a key player. And so we were able to license those particular training packages, not only to the agency I was at, but also to other agencies around the Beltway, which took their company to the stratosphere and also uh, introduced me or put me on the map in terms of training, in terms of certification, and ultimately packaging curriculum and extending contracts, extending value, which we can also call content licensing, which I realized what it was many years later. Awesome. So that's kind of the backstory. Talk to us about what you're doing now with the digital assets and with licensing, because I think a lot of people have heard of licensing. Maybe they've thought of licensing other people's products, but I don't think very many people think in terms of licensing their own products. So I'd like to dive into kind of what that would look like and how people can take the first couple steps towards getting that done. Because I think it's a great way for people to grow their income which is what is key for any business to survive. Okay, so for those of you who are tuning in, the question that I often ask my clients, especially in the beginning, the, the onboarding, the kickoff would be, what are the top five blocks that would prevent you from generating 1 million US dollars this year? And so there's going to be some, some mindset blocks that come up. I'm not good enough. I'm not experienced. I have imposter syndrome, so on, so forth. And so that same mindset block exists when it comes to content and the value of it. If most solopreneurs, service-based business professionals, as well as senior professionals in an employee context understood 
the value of their content and also created their content with the idea of I'm going to license it at some point from the very beginning, the idea uh, ideation phase, then their revenue goes up and their opportunities in terms of where their content can go uh, grows exponentially. So when we talk about the, the first step, it would be understanding that my content is valuable to a specific audience. So when we talk about how do we go from a great idea to actually licensing, it's understanding, first of all, that there are millions of people right now, every second of the day, searching for solutions to problems. So what we often learn first are valuable skills, experience, and that becomes our, our, our knowledge. But when we map what we know to the problems that we solve, then it begins to become interesting because then we realize that there's a whole market of people within a, a certain niche, a certain industry, a certain skill set that has problems that we possess within our brain at any given time. So when we talk about how to extract that information, first you start with understanding what the problem is. So don't try to solve 10 different problems when you're creating a digital asset. What you start with is a specific problem that you know how to solve and that you, you have, let's say, firsthand experience with in terms of a story and you mm -hmm. begin to package that based on the strength of your expression. So if I'm a powerful speaker, I'm not going to write a 10,000 word blog post. If I'm a great writer, then a podcast is not the best vehicle of expression. The key that holds so many people back is number one, understanding the value that they have in terms of the problems they solve. And number two, choosing or not honing into the, the proper mode of expression. So to wrap this all up, what I do today is I help people liberate themselves through recurring revenue and tapping into their inner genius by elevating their positioning through digital assets where when someone searches for their first and last name and, and typically their industry or city and state, the first things that come up are their key, let's say, digital assets in terms of what they want to be known as, how they want to be a feature within their market. And of course, if we were to go into a, a deal together, Steve, and we, we walk into a boardroom and the most important person who makes the decision says, well, Steve and Shadi, I absolutely love the podcast that you two recorded. And that person has first name recognition and familiarity with the content we created, the decision that they have to make in terms of the contract or the proposal that we're submitting becomes a landslide. It becomes much easier to accomplish. Because they, well, what you're saying is you're putting out content that pre-frames you as an authority and gets people to know, like, and trust you before we ever do business together. Because I think the way that that's different from a couple of years ago, right? Everyone got in the digital marketing game and they were like, I'm going to put together an amazing funnel and everyone's just going to buy. And well, that works if you throw a ton of ads at it. And sometimes it works just based on if there's a huge need in the marketplace. Now the market is so saturated with that stuff. What you're saying is this is basically a way to get people to know, like, and trust you before they ever come in. 
that that summarize that pretty good? Uh, it is extremely accurate. Good. Okay, so then talk to us about the mistakes that people make. What holds people back from doing this? Because Or what are they doing wrong? Because I know a lot of people that have podcasts, but they're not searchable. Or I know a lot of people who write blog posts, but no one ever reads them. What, what are some mistakes that people make and how do they avoid those? The biggest mistakes that content creators, experts, service-based business professionals make, the number one, they create based on what they find interesting versus what the market has communicated, indicated, and raised their hand and said, yes, I want more information from you on these specific topics. And so when you approach market research as more or less like a detective trying to solve a mystery, I want to know what my audience wants, then the game begins to change because now you are, it increases the, the leverage by which you create because your audience is telling you. And so that would be big mistake number one. Big mistake number two is they are looking to build a casino when a, a tiny house would do. And so we oftentimes romanticize our content and we say that we want it to be a work of art when your audience simply needs the solution to their problem in this moment. And when you're able to tap into evergreen needs or evergreen problems, then you're able to solve and move forward a lot uh, faster, test the idea and bring it to market a lot more effectively versus the, the procrastination that tends to happen when you want to make everything perfect, grand, 12 module course and uh, move forward from there. And finally, when we, we think about digital assets and where people make mistakes, they get hung up on the idea of monetization. So when you're exchanging time for money and you, the, the margins don't add up, then when you start to create a digital asset, what you try to do is overcompensate on the opportunity cost that you've lost from times past. And so right. this course has to be $2,000, uh, $49.97 versus solving a problem for your audience in that moment, which brings them on board. They, they basically check off that, okay, I know, I like, and I trust this individual. Now, what are the next steps for this person to help me grow? Awesome. I think that I think that is really key. I love, uh, I mean, to give an example from my own life, like we've all Googled something, right? How to do X. And we end up going to a blog post where they spend the first 500 words restating the question eight different ways and wasting a whole bunch of time. Cooking does this all the time. It drives me nuts. I just want a recipe for, I don't know, peanut chicken, right? And like the first 500 words are junk. Then the second 500 words are all about the experience and people and just tell me how to make the chicken. Like that's all I want. Um, and I usually bounce off of those pages really quickly, but people are doing it because they think that it gets them a higher ranking in Google. I do think Google has figured out that short and to the point usually works better, but that's what you're talking about, correct? Absolutely. It's understanding that what 
you think is going to work based on every YouTube video and webinar that you watch versus what your audience is actually asking for sometimes are a world apart. And when you go in the direction of what your audience wants, you will never lose. So let me ask you a question, because I'm sure this is the burning question on people's minds that are listening to this. How do you figure out what your audience wants? Because I think we all think we have an idea. I, I have definitely worked with people who have created entire courses that then never sell because it's not what people want. How do you avoid that? How do you find out what people really want? Well, we've heard of the term other people's money, OPM. What I would like to introduce to the vocabulary is OPA, other people's audiences. So what do we know about other people's audiences? We know that there's a leader of that, that tribe who has invested tons of non-refundable time, in some cases, uh, financial resources, tech resources, human resources in terms of employees, so on and so forth, to understand what their market wants. Now, if you have a specific focus that aligns with not only that market, but there's also over, overlapping uh, circles or let's say related niche markets to that particular industry, you might want to pay attention to what that particular audience is going through. And so the easiest way to find out what a market is uh, asking for is to join a community that has the same problems you're looking to solve. And so there's a key here. You have to shift from, co in conversational context, giving statements and asking more questions. That's great, tell me more. What was your experience with this particular outcome? How were your results when you first started versus where you are today? And so that would be the first place I would start. Next would be if asking questions happens to be a great way to gain information, you need an, a platform that allows you to ask questions more. For me personally, interviewing uh, the, the top minds, professionals, entrepreneurs around the world gives me incredible insight into what my target audience is thinking because I'm essentially putting my, my non-refundable uh, time into market research. So it gives me the opportunity to be right on the pulse of what my audience wants. Now, you may not start a, a platform where you interview others. So contribute to existing communities first. And then when you have the opportunity to publish content, give the space and time to ask for feedback at Every email I send at the end of the email, I always ask a question, which leads to organic replies and leads to conversations. And since I already understand what my audience is looking for and what my agenda is in terms of what I'm looking to build, then every conversation is for the greater good of my brand overall. Nice. I think that's really... I think that's good. I like that you put that in your email. Um, I think everybody can learn from that. 
the whole idea of having an email list is to get response from people. It's to have a conversation. It's not just to dump on them. Um, Shadid, I have one other question for you. So once you have the right product, how do you go about licensing that? Because I think there are people out there who have courses that are selling, right? They have a course, maybe they have an online ebook, they have some stuff that is selling, but how do you switch in your mind and how do you like, what are the tactics to actually sell this in a licensing agreement? Because that's completely different. Um, and I think a lot of people never really think about doing that. How do you move people towards that? Well, there's a few things to keep in mind. Number one, I, I want to demystify this, this whole concept of, of licensing because we often get lost in intellectual property and in copyrights and trademarks and contracts. All I want you to remember from here on forward is that licensing means you have the permission to grant to others the ability to use what you've created. Licensing simply means usage. So when you talk about usage and you, you have something that you want to offer to someone else, they have to know that it exists. So the first thing when we talk about tactics is once you reach a certain point and my golden demarcation line is 100 students. If you can build 100 students around your course, then you have the starting point under my system to begin licensing. Now, if I do a licensing deal, for example, since I've been doing this for most of my adult life, I have a different approach where I can, let's say, offer a table of contents and build from there or get the licensing agreement and be paid to build it. But if you're just starting, then you have to go with a different approach. And I'm going to lay this out in a very simple, easy to understand fashion. So number one, you want to separate your particular course and establish a separate brand for it. Step number one would be establishing the domain itself. Now, if the, the title is unique and it is able to be trademarked, I would also look into protecting it through uh, trademarks and for the content, looking into uh, copywriting the content itself. Now, these are not uh, hard requirements, but if your course is generating six and seven figures, there's a high probability that others are looking to duplicate it and you want to protect your brand as much as possible. Now, moving forward, mm -hmm. what you need to do if you have, let's say, a standalone entity from your business, from your personal brand, then you need to start to build those relationships that uh, will lead to licensing. Now, from a joint venture context, the easiest way, the highest leverage way to do this is through the embedded content partnership. And so you're reaching out to other business owners who have complementary value. They're releasing programs, they're releasing courses, they have curriculum, they have an audience. And so you reach out to them and you say, listen, you have a course that solves a problem for entrepreneurs. My course has complementary value to yours. Let's include my course as a module. Uh, so if it's module four, your course or parts of it will fit within that, or 
as a bonus for people to enroll. So if someone has a mastermind group, you can offer position your course as a bonus if they sign up. So if their mastermind is uh, 99.97, then you're increasing the value of that enrollment by adding on your $2,000 course. So it makes it more enticing to do so. So that's the embedded content partnership. Next, you have to understand that the majority of licensing deals come from referrals and introductions. And so if you don't have the golden Rolodex of all the agencies that uh, will buy your content, then you need an introduction into the door. The majority of introductions and referrals come from the students of your courses. So here's how it works. When the student is at work and there's a need that's discussed or let's say that comes up, we need a course that helps us to understand small business. Then that person in the boardroom is going to say, well, I'm in this, they won't necessarily say Facebook group, but I'm, I know of a course that uh, may help us in this situation. So understand that corporations spend more on employees and their well-being and keeping them on board than any other, uh, let's say, expense within a company. And so when you start to uh, focus on that, then those opportunities will open. So ask, survey your students, customer service within your courses, offering, let's say, group strategy calls for your courses, monthly strategy calls, quarterly strategy calls, gives you more face time with the people who are going to introduce you to the, the content buyers within a corporation. So that is the, the full breakdown of how it's done. You, you simply, from a partnership standpoint, get into a, a rinse and repeat mode of serving your partners with excellence and also embedding their content into yours so that you are basically cross-pollinating your audiences and you're expanding your footprint for your content. Awesome. I think you laid that out really, really well. Do you have anything that you give away as a free gift that helps people move forward with this? What I offer, Steve, is the digital assets execution plan. And what this teaches you step by step is how you go from an idea and start to map out what your unique skill set is to building the digital asset and finding the partners to help you take the digital asset from something that is wonderful in your household and all your friends think it's great to actual business owners with audiences and revenue to say, wait a minute, what you have to offer actually would help me build my audience, make more money and ultimately be more influential and start to adopt and embrace your particular uh, content. Now, the key here is that with many uh, giveaways and many, uh, let's say, checklists, so on and so forth, people often leave them on their hard drive and they don't get discovered. So here's what I'm willing to give to you. I believe in fanatical customer service. So if you download the digital assets execution plan, you will receive unlimited 
messaging support. That means you can send an email, you can go on Facebook Messenger and you can send your questions and guess what? The answer won't be a thumbs up emoji or good job or a smiley face emoji. The, you will receive a case study, a template, actual feedback to help you increase your momentum and continue along the path to taking your ideas and building them into assets that free you from the time for money trap. That's awesome. So if you guys are listening to this, definitely go get this because the the unlimited messaging is alone like that you should put money on that because you're actually taking people by the hand and helping them out. You're getting them started, you're getting them moving forward. Shadid, I would just want to say thank you so much for being on. Where can people go to get this? I know it's going to be in the links, but where can they go if they're listening, if they're driving their car? If you are looking to package your knowledge, your skills and abilities and start to create digital assets to, to free yourself from time for money and start to create the life that you want uh, through uh, let's say your purpose, your plan, your passion, your next step is to go to Mr. Shadi, and that is spelled M-R-S-H-A-D like David, E-E-D like David.com forward slash assets with an S, Mr. Shadi.com forward slash assets and claim your digital assets execution plan. Awesome. Definitely go pick that up just for the messaging. If you have any questions about how to get started with licensing, how to do embedded content, which I think is huge, you should definitely go pick that up. Thank you so much for being on, Shadid. Do you have anything you want to leave the listeners with? Well, at the beginning of this interview, uh, the analogy of uh, jazz was brought to the table. And I want you to realize that business, uh, when you, you, you play business in the key of life, uh, that's when things begin to get interesting. So add the human element to everything you do in business and your business will succeed on a higher level. Awesome. Shadid, thank you so much to everyone else. Until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.